Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. I thought it'd be really fun to do something new and I wanted to do a giveaway featuring some of my favorite products worth over $200. There is my favorite probiotic, really absorbable magnesium from Jigsaw Health, hydroxypatite toothpaste for restoring tooth enamel, Fullwell's prenatal, mouthwash floss. All of that can come to you in a box if you enter the giveaway, which is totally free. I am just asking for your endorsement with a five-star review. So all you have to do is search for this podcast in the iTunes app or go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. Or I have another shortcut for you. You can just text giveaway to 605-223-0215. That's texting giveaway to 605-223-0215. And I'll send you the exact directions on how you can write a review really easily and enter our awesome giveaway during the entire month of November. So can't wait to get your entries. Thanks so much. So when you want to change a habit, when you want to make a change in your life, I think the first important step is always to create awareness. What am I actually doing? What is my status quo? And where does it come from? Why do I believe that? Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Access to functional or specialized medicine testing and standard blood work is a big piece of personalizing care plans to help our clients succeed. But getting accounts with multiple labs and ordering and tracking results from many different web portals slows efficiency by bogging us down in admin work. This is why I'm completely obsessed with our podcast sponsor, Rupa Health. It's a single portal that allows you to order from over 20 specialty labs in one incredibly simple dashboard. I'm talking less than 30 seconds to set up your free account and about 30 seconds to order the labs you need. All the results are in one place and I can securely send clients their results with a click of a button. A big advantage for our clients is that standard blood work can be ordered for almost two thirds less than other direct-to-consumer lab sites. 
Rupa is a lab concierge. So they send the lab invoices on your behalf of a client pays for their own labs. They help them get set up with a lab draw, navigate testing questions, and they provide the requisition forms. It's literally a dream. Go sign up for free to help streamline your practice and simplify ordering labs for your clients at rupahealth.com. That's R-U-P-A health.com and let them know I sent you when you sign up. You can also check out the show notes for this episode for a short video walkthrough of how I use Rupa Health in my own practice. All right. Today on The Less Stress Life, I have Julia Arndt joining me. She's the founder of The Peak Performance Method, a unique model combining critical productivity, mindfulness, and leadership tools to help forward-thinking individuals and organizations develop the next workplace superpower through scalable programs. She's a stress management trainer, international speaker, and the host of the Stressed Podcast that has over 50,000 podcast downloads globally to date. She hails from Germany, has lived in five countries over the last 14 years, and speaks three languages fluently. After working at Google in the Silicon Valley for seven and a half years, while the company grew from 30,000 to 100,000 employees, she's been running her own consulting and coaching business, helping over 5,500 employees at innovative companies like Google, Microsoft, Uber, Swisscom, and many more understand the effects on stress on the body and mind, move beyond burnout, and build a mindful lifestyle that delivers focus, high energy, and productivity. Her motto is, if your brain is your most valuable resource. Let's make sure to take care of it. Your career success and satisfaction depends on your ability to develop the next workplace superpower. Thank you so much for coming on today, Julia. I'm excited to like unpack all of that. <laughs> yes. Um, welcome. Yes, I'm a, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here today as well. So with a bio like that, I have wanderlust. I love hearing about people's travels and how they land where they land. Please tell us, this isn't something you woke up and decided to do one day. So please tell us <laughs> how this started to manifest. Tell us your own story and okay. how you kind of got pulled into this coaching consulting world. Okay. In. Yes. Okay. So let me see if I can bring in some travel as well <laughs> to like feed your wanderlust. So I grew up in Germany for the first 19 years of my life, started studying in Germany, did an international bachelor degree, which was two years in Germany, two years in France. That was my second stay abroad. I actually went to England after my high school in order to improve my English. And then I studied in France, did an internship in Australia, and then when I finished my master's degree in France, after my bachelor degree, I got a job at Google in Dublin, Ireland. So I moved to Ireland and then worked there for three years and then moved to the US seven years ago to Mountain View, Silicon Valley, um, headquarters of the Google, the big Google world. And then, yeah, and that's been my travel side of things. And then I worked for Google for almost eight years in total. Great job, great company. But, you know, things change and I was always really curious and interested in coaching, in personal development, in psychology. So I did a lot of things on the side in order to kind of feed those interests. I have a gym instructor certification because I was always interested in physical health. I have a sports psychology diploma from Dublin Business School because I was interested in psychology. And people would always ask me, why are you doing these things? <laughs> and I would be like, I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. And the Google side of things and that job there is great. But I was working as a project manager. So I had nothing to do with any of these things that I just mentioned. And I just felt like that was just kind of my personal side. And in the summer of 2018, I experienced burnout. And 
that was really interesting. It was a really interesting diagnosis because I always thought I was a really active and healthy person. People would come to me and be like, Julia, like you're always act, like you're always going to the gym, you're always eating healthy. Give us some lifestyle tips. And I would obviously give it to them. But then, yeah, I just kind of slipped into this unhealthy pattern and unhealthy habits for a while without realizing it. Mm-hmm. And at some point, yeah, I just felt not like myself anymore. I knew that something was going on and I wasn't really sure what it was. I just knew I was very unhappy. I had physical symptoms, digestive issues, sleep problems, anxiety, very bad anxiety. And I went to the doctor to get just a medical leave for a little while. And they diagnosed me with anxiety and depression, which was back then in 2018, kind of the diagnosis for workplace burnout, because not until May 2019, so the following year, the World Health Organization actually regarded burnout as an official disease. And now there's actually also burnout surveys out there. But that was kind of a shocking diagnosis because I always thought I was healthy. I always thought I would I take took care of myself. But yeah, I really learned a lot in that process about mental health, about what do I actually do in order to also take care of myself mentally. So I went through this process, took a three months medical leave. And at the end of it, I needed to make a very difficult decision being, do I stay at Google and do I continue this lifestyle or do I follow a passion that already developed many years kind of in the making to like leading up to that. And yeah, I was commuting for a long time as well. So I finally made the decision that I'm just going going solo and starting my own business to help people understand that if you are a peak performer, don't wait until you burn out, but start investing in your mental health and in your peak performance habits, I call them, before you burn out in order to avoid that cycle that I went through. I have to wonder if it was difficult to then start a business. I always felt like starting a business and I had not stopped contracting at that point. You're a girl after my heart because when you talk about people say, why would you do that? I think there's this, some of us just have an insatiable curiosity and we're just kind of lifelong learners. And that's just what I heard in your story a little bit. But starting a business is inherently stressful as well. Did you find it less stressful? (laughs) I'm wondering how you recovered in that. But first, I think also to help people understand when you think that you're doing everything healthy. So this comes up with all adrenal stuff and burnout and adrenal health. And as another one, adrenal PCOS. So it's kind of like sometimes you start to get irregular hormones or irregular periods as a side effect of adrenal stress and it's downstream effects. So what did you think that you were doing that was really healthy that was actually degrading your health accidentally, first of all? Because you had to identify that to not do it anymore. Mm. I think I didn't realize that until I went to the doctor, got diagnosed and took some time to reflect on what I actually did that wasn't healthy anymore. Because I think I thought I was a healthy person for a really long time, but then without really paying attention to it, I slipped out of these routines. So I wouldn't go as regularly to the gym anymore. I would start drinking more coffee, eat more sweets, have very unhealthy sleep patterns because I would commute between the Bay Area and Lake Tahoe where I live now a lot. I would drive 250 miles every four days. And then, you know, I was just cognitively so fatigued that I didn't really have the mental power anymore to be good with the other routines, right? To go work out, to eat well, to not drink coffee. So I wouldn't say that was like really unhealthy, like beyond that, like I wouldn't say there was anything super 
unhealthy or like pinpointing that that was the thing that kind of was a, a negative or bad thing. It was a compilation of the change of your schedule almost, or like there's exactly. not room for everything. Like there isn't room for everything. Exactly. We try to shove more in than we can. I have to ask because I find this yeah. a common denominator in successful, brilliant women. They forget to eat at lunchtime. You know, they're busy like working through lunch. I'm wondering if you remember doing that as well. For sure. Yeah, 100%. I always talk with people about this. Now it has changed, obviously, a little bit because people work from home. We would always eat in front of our computers in the office or walk with our little box from meeting room to meeting room or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to your other question, I want to answer that because people always ask me that too. Did you have to leave Google in order to manage your stress? You know, and I, I always say, no, I'm like, I'm like, you start a business and tell me if that's less stressful <laughs> because all of a sudden you have that pressure on yourself, right? You don't get a pay slip anymore. You don't have insurance anymore. Obviously there are lots of benefits coming when you work for a company like Google. But I think I learned a lot in the three months. I think I set a good kind of baseline because I started to invest really into healthy routines. And then when I left, I definitely learned still more and more and more about myself and how to best manage myself and my health and my well-being while building the company. But I don't think it is, okay, yes, you need to leave your job. I think a lot of people think that, but I think what people forget is, is that they take their unhealthy habits and routines with them. So even if you go from Google to Facebook or from Google to Instagram or from Google to your own business, you're still yourself and you still learned certain things the way you did. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and so you do still need to change these things. Well, that's a good point. I would wonder if part of your recovery was changing some habits. I'd like to hear what your recovery looked like a little bit because mm -hmm. the conundrum is, and we can use your story to help illustrate this. You know, you might want to start a habit, but it's like sometimes hard to consistently implement one, right? Yeah. Like maybe we know that there's a habit that's beneficial. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on like getting hung up on starting and stopping a habit constantly or consistently, you know, sometimes travel, you know, or like you can identify yeah. what is disrupting this habit formation. So I'd love to talk about For sure. the challenges and ways to overcome. And also part of your, like, what did the road back look like for you as well? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. I think I actually just recorded a YouTube video this morning on self-care and why it is important and kind of the myths almost about self-care, because I think people think, oh, self-care is about bubble baths and scented candles, and then I feel better. But I think self-care is so much more. It's about time management, setting boundaries, saying no. And that is feeling also being okay with feeling uncomfortable and feeling guilty sometimes. My biggest routine, I always talk about this, that's why I smile, but I, my biggest really routine change was my morning routine. I think we all have somewhat of a morning routine, but the question is, does it help us be productive and performant throughout the day or does it not really help us to be that way, to set ourselves up for success? And because I obviously have family in Germany, overseas, lots of friends overseas, I would wake up in the morning and then obviously global clients and global teams while I was working at Google overseas. I would wake up in the morning and the first thing I would do is take my phone and check my messages with my family, my friends, check my emails, check obviously social media. And I would not only already feel anxious before even getting out of bed because I would see messages from people that would need my attention, but also I would probably always spend way more time on my phone that I wanted to and then kind of hassle to get going, right? To like go in the bathroom and get ready and to go to work. 
And so when I was on my medical leave, I was really, really intentional about how I started my day. And for the first, I kind of slipped back into a not so good routine on that front. But the first, I would say probably one and a half years, I was really, really good about not even taking my phone in my hand for the first two hours of the day. And it made a huge, huge difference for my anxiety because I would just invest in myself instead of giving my energy out to other people. And I justified that by saying, they're already waiting for my answer. Like it doesn't matter to them if they wait another hour or two, but it makes a huge difference in my life and how I feel about myself. And that was a forcing mechanism for sure at the beginning. It wasn't like easy to do that, right? Because you are in the habit of checking your phone and your neural pathways are in that train of like, okay, I get up, I take my phone, I check my messages and so on and so on. And so... What I would do at the beginning was that I would obviously, you know, wake up in the morning, go downstairs, have a glass of warm lemon water, sit down to journal, write down what I did the previous day, sometimes write to-do lists of things that I need to get done, and then practice gratitude. And, you know, there's I've tried a lot of different things over the last three years. I had a routine for a while where I would go for a run for 15 minutes in the morning, which helped a lot with my energy levels as well. And that like that morning routine and being really intentional about the first one to two hours in the morning was a total life changer for me. And now even when I'm traveling, especially when I'm traveling, I am very like, that's really how I love to start my day. It's not that you need to drink lemon water and journal and do this, right? It's what you like to do and what you feel like fills your heart. That's really important. But for me, that's what fills my heart. It makes me feel really accomplished in the morning. And so especially when I travel, I try to stick to that routine religiously, even when I don't feel like it, when I have a bad moment, when I feel depressed, I still feel depressed, of course, sometimes, right? Life is sometimes good, sometimes bad. And sometimes it's hard to get out of bed. And if I have a hard time getting out of bed, I'm like, okay, I have these three or four or five things, right? That I do in my morning routine. And I always feel better when I do it. And so sometimes when I have a hard time, I now my neural pathways are wired that way that I do these three or four or five things. And that's been a super big change for me. You're bringing up a great point. First of all, I was going to comment, I bet you didn't decide, I bet you didn't wait to decide until the morning of what your routine would sort of look like, like in the bare bones foundation. I feel like sometimes we wake up and then we're like, essentially we grab our phone because we do have neural pathways. We've like created an automation in our brain. And exactly. it's like, it's painful when you realize that you're like, oh my gosh, I am sick of reaching for that. I went on a vacation this summer where I almost didn't have phone service for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was great at breaking mm-hmm. that for a while. On the note of neural pathway breaking and developing, let's talk about how long that seems to take actually, because so often we're just on autopilot and that is the mm-hmm. challenge is going from autopilot to intentionality and to be intentional with your morning routine. I assume you, you had a plan, you know, not a stressful Mm -hmm. plan, but like a, Hey, I'm going to intentionally sit down and drink this water and journal on this thing. And this makes Mm -hmm. me happy. Anyway, Mm -hmm. comments on that Mm -hmm. and then neural pathways. Yeah. I talk a lot about habit building in the peak performance method program too. And, you know, there's all these different science things, right? Some people say it takes 28 days to build a new habit or routine. It takes 100 days, 200 days, 300 days, right? There's all these different opinions about how long it takes to build a routine. And 
I always say, well, think about how long you've been doing something. <laughs> so if you've been automatically checking your phone for five years, it's probably not going to be broken in 30 days because when you have a bad day and when you're not mentally strong, when you wake up in the morning because you had a bad sleep or whatever happened, then unintentionally, unmindfully, you're going to take your phone because that's still there. So I think it takes a really long time. And I think in order to support that, it's important to choose something that you really enjoy doing. I always say that doesn't matter what you do as long as you enjoy doing it. How long did it take me? You know, I was just saying like, I've been doing this routine now for almost three years and I still need to be mindful, especially in the more difficult times of my life, right? To be like, this is, these are the five things that I'm going to do this morning. So yeah, I think it's easy to say, do it for 30 days. You know, there's all these different ways you can do like, you know, checking a calendar and kind of crossing it out every day you've done it in order to kind of gamify the whole situation. I think that helps me a lot with exercise, for example. But yeah, I think to just have a plan and then maybe not have it be super strict at the beginning and be okay to slip and also to always remember, even if I slip for a day, even if I slip for a week, even if I slip for a whole month, I can still start again tomorrow. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, okay, now I'm going to wait until January 2022 to set a new intention and start again. You know, I think we almost have these excuses in our own minds to justify that it's okay to slip and not go back. But I always try to see really every day as a new starting point to be better with my own habits and routines. And if you have a framework that you actually enjoy, then there's no reason you have to completely reinvent the wheel. It's just that you start, you get back in the car that you got out of for a while. And sometimes, and maybe one more point, like, so sometimes when I don't have time, when I'm traveling, right, like I was just on a weekend trip and I don't have really time to journal, I still drink my lemon water. Like I still do one little thing that really makes me feel good about myself. You know, it doesn't always have to be all the things. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I journal in the evening instead of the morning because in the morning I have a tight schedule, right? Like I think finding flexibility in what you're doing is so important as well. Do you always pack along a journal? That's where I, I love paper, but sometimes I'm like, I just cannot pack all this crap that I have. <laughs> that I, have. I actually do always bring it, but sometimes I just don't write in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Funny. Well, let's talk a little bit about when you were doing research around this and we were talking about a little bit of the science. Yeah. Let's talk about the science of somewhat limiting beliefs because that is going to be the voice in your head that says, well, that's nice for you, but you quit Google or I can't do that because I really am super busy or Mm -hmm. you don't understand my job is just stressful. Those are all like, oh, I don't know if I can get past your wall that you've created there are those limiting beliefs. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what happens in the brain because you kind of started with neural pathways, which is essentially autopilot in our brains. It's like what allows us to drive to work without thinking about it at all. It's why we Mm -hmm. suddenly find ourselves scrolling on social media and we're not supposed to be doing that. We're supposed to be doing something else. It's like autopilot. So what do you want to say about like brain chemistry and brain science that you learned through program development, through clients, through like on the science of limiting belief. Yeah. My favorite book about this is Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself from Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you know this book. I have three hours left in that book. Okay. I'm to the point where I've got to implement. He's he's been talking me into this been talking me into this and it's actually on my vision board to like go to a Joe Dispenza workshop. Yes, which me too. Of them. I really want to um, do that. Yeah. I'm obsessed with his work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is fantastic. So yeah. anyway, go ahead. Anyway. Yeah. So that's kind of 
how I got into it myself as well. Like I heard about the book a few years ago and I was like, I need to read this. And it just blew my mind. And so what he basically says and what he describes is, is that, you know, throughout the years, like growing up, especially in childhood, we learn certain things, right? And we learn things from society. We learn them from our family, from all the people that surround us. And because from a brain frequency perspective, they go into our subconscious mind for the first 10 to 12 years of our lives. We just take them as a given, right? So if, you know, our mother, for example, has a limiting belief around weight, and I think a lot of mothers do, I don't know, <laughs> but I, I think my mom always said, said something about that. We kind of, that kind of gets ingrained into our belief system as well. And we don't question it, right? Because they're our parents and we love them and that's just how it is. So that's kind of how limiting beliefs Form. I think they actually form very early on in life and they are forming through, you know, the love to our parents, the love, you know, the, the beliefs or the, the way we grow up in society and also like traumatic experiences, right? Things that we don't really know how to interpret or define when we are little. And so in order to break those habits, and it is possible to break habits because I think people oftentimes use also that excuse of, that's just the way I am. <laughs> that's just the way I feel. Or that's just how I've always been, right? And that's, I always think that's actually the easy way out to be like, oh, I just can't do anything about this. But he basically explains that we can reform new habits. And it is by understanding our brain frequencies and how we actually can tap in from our conscious mind that we operate in for 95% of our lives versus our subconscious mind. So it's actually the other way around. We operate in 5% which is the conscious mind, but subconsciously, there's a lot more information stored 95% of the time, but we don't really tap into that because we're busy, we have stressful lives, we don't think about it, we're not mindful. So in order to do that, um, Joe Dispenza explains that we need to go into lower brain frequencies. So we usually operate in beta. That's kind of our awakened state, but also our kind of on state when we are productive, when we are focused at work. Then when we are starting to relax, we're going into alpha. And then when we are meditating, for example, we are in theta. And that's the brainwave state where we can actually change beliefs, where we are tapping into our subconscious mind. So a lot of, for example, hypnotherapists, they bring you into that brainwave state in order to shift ideas and thoughts and beliefs. So when you want to change a habit, when you want to make a change in your life, I think the first important step is always to create awareness. What am I actually doing? What is my status quo? And where does it come from? Why do I believe that, right? I think it's not about dwelling in the past, but it's really about identifying, okay, I just understand where this came from. And then to create a new intention or create a new belief, whatever it is, right? It can, it could, it can be a habit, but it can be just a belief that I need to shift in order to maybe build that new habit. And then to really work on that actively. And that's super hard. Like I'm not saying that this is an easy thing to do. It always sounds very simple. And I've been, you know, because I've been working with that work with Joe Dispenza for so many years, I've done everything, right? Like I've downloaded his meditations and I've sometimes meditated two or three hours a day in order to kind of shift that perspective. And I'm still working on it, depending on that limiting belief, right? Some limiting beliefs, I think, are easy to break and some limiting beliefs just need more time and more work. But, you know, again, so what is also really important to know is obviously our brain waves and our brain patterns. So when we have been doing something over and over and over and over again, it's just kind of like the highway. That's our automated 
way of how we are doing things, right? Because there are different growths in our brain. And so every time we're doing something, we're always doing the same thing, right? It's automated. We don't even think about it anymore. And we need to operate in that state as well, because otherwise, you know, if we would need to think about everything that we are doing, then we would be very overwhelmed. So for example, I think the easiest way to describe it is because we've all, mostly all of us have learned it is to drive a car. At the beginning, when you're driving a car, you're thinking about sitting down, you know, putting your seatbelt on, starting starting the engine, put your gear in first or, you know, if it's a manual shift or you put it in automatic and then you start driving. It's a lot of steps and we are consciously doing those. But over time, when we've been driving many, many years, we don't think about any of these steps anymore. We just do them. They are totally automated. So let's say now you want to learn something new or you want to break something because maybe you have learned incorrectly how to drive a car, then you need to go back and retrace those steps in order to help your brain understand, okay, no, you need to actually, this is like another step in the process that you need to start incorporating. And so we have to get really conscious about it in order to build it in. And we are almost creating a new pathway, right? So maybe think about it. If you walk across a meadow, a new meadow that has nobody has ever crossed before, there is no path. There's just like, there's just grass or weeds or whatever. But when someone is walking in, like, let's say you are two people, someone is walking in front and they're kind of creating that path and then people follow and more and more people follow, more and more people use that route or you are using it over and over and over again. That path that was not existing before actually starts to create and from a little path and dirt road over time, you create a street or like a little bit more of a dirt road, right? And that's kind of how the brain works as well. And I think that's the first part to understand, right? So we have these pathways in our brain. And then when we need to redirect them, it's going to be hard at the beginning because it's so automated that we have to consciously make an effort to create something else. That's the first part. Here's the second thing, though. Our brain always tries to keep us in the safe state. And for our brain, what is safe is not necessarily what is good or bad for us because the brain doesn't know the difference between good and bad. Our brain only knows what we have been doing over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so when you're starting to create a new habit, let's say you have done a bad habit of always being on your phone three hours in the morning, right? Your brain doesn't know that that's bad for you. It just knows that that's what you've been doing. So for your brain, that's the safe state. Mm -hmm. So when you're starting to create a new habit, your brain is actually sending you alarms, all of these excuses and all of these beliefs and all of these things that you mentioned earlier, your brain is going to be like, oh my God, like, what are we doing? We're doing something out of the ordinary. So we need to pay closer attention to this, right? We all know this when we're trying to go, when we're signing up to the gym <laughs> or we're making a good intention about um, working out more regularly. All of a sudden we find all of these different excuses of why we have no time to do that or why we shouldn't do it, right? And that's, I think really that comes a little bit from the brain being like, mm, I don't know, like we've never done this before. Is this safe or is this not safe? And I literally have an internal dialogue when things like that happen to me. And I tell myself, I know why this is coming up. I know why this feels unsafe, even though this is a way better habit than the habit that I had before. And it's okay. And I can take a deep breath and relax through this and still go that new route, go that new path. And so, yeah, from a brain perspective, there's a couple of different hurdles that we have to overcome, right? Creating that new brain wave path signaling to our brain consciously that it's actually something safe, that we're doing something good for us. And then 
keep doing it over and over and over again. Because only when we are building that new habit by consciously repeating the things that are good for us, will we create that new pathway. That was a very long explanation. <laughs> no, I'm, gonna, I'm just kind of kind of kind of restate and reiterate a few things. So and use a different angle to also kind of talk about what you just talked about. Sometimes when people have been chronically ill for a long time, there is a big piece of neural pathways that get laid down. And so a lot of practitioners will say there's not a good way out of that unless they kind of retrain some neural pathways. There are some programs for it. One of them is by Annie Hopper, DNRS. Another one is like a Gupta program. I can't remember what it's called. But the clients that go through it, they're like, yeah, it's kind of slow and takes a lot of time, which is what you were saying. It's like mm-hmm. you are reprogramming neural pathways. So it's super inconvenient yeah. to relearn something that is autopiloted in your, like if you have to relearn, I'm actually going through that right now, just with like some ways that I've been practicing for a long time that were always awesome, but just out of boredom, I decided to go down another rabbit hole, learn some new things. And then now everything's upside down. I'm like, oh, it's totally different than what I, whatever. So the point is, is identifying, you said something I think that's super valuable and I have try to, I say a lot to clients now, I say, your self-awareness is the best thing I can hear from you ever. Because if you don't have any self-awareness and you don't know something is a problem, there is nothing we can do about it. If you do not think there's a problem, absolutely nothing we can do, which is kind of the purpose of the podcast is it is meant to pull together or like bridge pieces of things that are not always obvious right? So, I mean, lots of examples there, but self-awareness, if you can't identify or be aware that there is this self-limiting belief in the first place, then there's nothing you can do to overcome it. This reminds me of the time, I don't know if you had one of these like head slap experiences. Uh (laughs) Yeah. I had a friend, my friend like sent me, and I've said this before on the podcast, um, Carol Dweck's book, The Mindset. I only read half of it, but it changed my life because I didn't realize the narrative that I'd grown up with was limited or closed mindset or fixed mindset mm-hmm. and not an open, mm-hmm. not a, what's the opposite? Growth mindset. Thank you. Growth. Growth. So thank God for personal development. And like, I'm think I'm yeah. so thankful for teachers that integrate that into their curriculum. And it's, I feel like it's very integrated in my children's school, but self-awareness identification is the first step. You can't change anything. And then from there, there's just some real groundwork. Literally, that's what you were saying. It's like, you have to rebuild it from the floor up, which wish we wish was easier. Can you do it while working at a job? Absolutely. Can you do it without being aware of the toxic things around you? I don't know, maybe not, right? Because if you mm-hmm. don't acknowledge what's self-limiting around you. So, so anyway, that was me, my version slightly mm-hmm. of, of what you said, although you did do, you kind of shared the Joe Dispenza. So what I loved about Joe Dispenza's work is that I am the kind of person, I don't know if you are, that I will do something when I understand the science behind it. So when you tell me about the brainwaves and what brainwave I need to be in, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in now. Can we get there yet? <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And you know, I always say, I actually said for a very long time, I have a 400 hour yoga teacher training certification as well. Mm-hmm. So I love yoga. But I don't, I never loved meditation at all. I was always mm-hmm. super uncomfortable. I didn't know how to sit. I, like my limbs would start to fall asleep. And I always said to my clients, yeah, if you don't enjoy meditation, that's totally okay. I also don't do it. <laughs> um, and I think Joe Dispenza with all of his science has really shifted my perspective on brain because he, you know, he really talks about brainwaves and brain frequencies and how important of a role they play to tap into. And I'm talking about really deeply ingrained limiting beliefs. I'm not talking about creating a new morning routine. I'm talking about self-worth issues or not feeling, I think, again, I think a lot of people 
feel not worthy of things or feel like they're not enough. Like I think a lot, you know, people always think they're alone in something, but we actually are all human being. And like you talk to another person and they probably have some self-worth issues too, you know, but those really deeply ingrained beliefs about yourself. I really believe that meditation is like tapping into these deeper brainwaves to shift some of these things is really helpful. I wouldn't say necessary, but very helpful. <laughs> well, speaking of helpful things, let's talk about if someone's listening to this today and they're kind of having a little bit of their own aha moment, mm-hmm. what's like a little step that they can do? And then a little step toward a big step of to try to start to transform and change and be yeah. like more optim, like a preferred version of themselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, we already both talked about it. Self-awareness is always the first step because if you don't have it, you can't change it. I always say, just take a status quo. You know, like if you are practicing self-awareness, how can you practice that, right? How can you better manage your time in order to build more space for self-care and for a routine? Track your time and see where you actually spend it, right? Because if you don't know where you do it, you don't know how to change it. So That would be my first maybe step, like self-awareness by observation. What are you doing, right? Do you have a self-care practice? How is your morning routine at the moment? Do you do things that are helpful for you or are you doing things that are actually not helping you to be your best self throughout the day? I think that's super, super powerful. Like just one or two journaling, one or two of these journaling questions and to sit down and really, really, really actively reflect upon it. and then. Once you have that awareness, you can start changing it. You can start thinking about, okay, now that I do this, what would I want to replace it with to make it better? Right? Good questions for all of us and a good exercise that we can start today. Julia, where can people find you online? My website, peakperformancemethod.com is probably the best way to start the exploration journey. I'm obviously everywhere, like all the social media, YouTube, but I think website is the best first stop shop, find all the links. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on today. I hope that we can go to a Joe Dispenza event yeah. in the next year. Let's <laughs> <laughs> put it out there. Thank you Thanks. so much for having me. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.